I spent years figuring out how to talk someone into a job offer that was probably a lower salary than they wanted to have. Because let's face it, an employer isn't going to come out with a very top offer, or it happens so rarely, we can go ahead and say it never happens. For Monday, October 21st, 2019, this is episode 55, Why Don't Women Negotiate Salary More? How to Speak Up with Amy Hoover. In 2018, female full-time year-round workers made only 82 cents for every dollar earned by men, a gender wage gap of 18% and only about 16% of women negotiate after receiving an initial job offer. I wanted to dig into this topic that is so important for our personal and collective futures, for our economy, and for our working lives and satisfaction. Considered an expert on hiring trends and staffing issues, Amy Hoover is frequently quoted in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Adweek, Ad Age, and many other notable publications. She's also been interviewed for CNBC's On The Money, speaking about industry salary trends. Talent Zeus founder and CEO Rick Myers and Amy built an executive recruiting firm starting in 1998. It evolved into a digital job board and content ecosystem all long before LinkedIn. For about two decades, TalentZoo.com has been the top site for advertising, marketing, and digital professionals in an industry known for extreme competition. First as executive recruiter, then recruiting director, Amy orchestrated and oversaw advertising and marketing hiring activity across North America for more than a dozen years. Amy shares insights from the employer perspective, which may surprise you and could help you, your friends, your daughter, or your colleague at their next negotiation. Whether or not hiring becomes even more digital as AI sorts resumes and Alexa processes applications by voice, the art of the negotiation is still about human communication and psychology. Let's talk. Welcome to the Beetle Moment Marketing Podcast, a short weekly exploration of marketing, voice technology, and business. I'm Emily Binder. I answer to no one, and I make this for you. Let's get on with the show. I'm Emily Binder, and I am here with a super special guest, my good friend, Amy Hoover. For 12 years, Amy was an executive recruiter and then managing partner of Talent Zoo the nation's premier search firm for the advertising and marketing industries. During that time, she placed hundreds of professionals in new positions across North America from junior to C-suite level. Ten years ago, Amy co-founded Strongbox West, Atlanta's largest independent co-working space and innovation hub, where she continues to manage the talent suit job board and suite of marketing blogs. Amy enjoys reading sci-fi, college football, and spending time with her dachshund, Coleman. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you, Emily. It's really nice to be here. I'm so glad to get you on. You and I have been talking about doing a podcast for, we figured out the other day, literally five years to the day. (laughs) Yesterday was five years to the day, yes. Thank you, time hop and memories. Oh my gosh. And uh, I've always loved talking about career with you because you're an absolute expert and you have just been doing this for long enough to see things change and job boards. And the reason that I wanted to get you on the show is that... A lot of things have been happening in the world of career, I guess, in my microcosm. And the other day, I had a friend who got a job offer, and I was encouraging her to negotiate for more money. And she was telling me for various reasons that she didn't want to. At the same time, related to voice technology, a lot of people have seen the news that McDonald's released an Alexa app that allows people to start job applications via voice. And that's probably where we're headed with more voice capabilities in the hiring process, But some things never change, like the negotiation skills required to ask for more money. And many women don't do that. Right, Amy? I mean, what is the situation with 
kind of the gender disparity that you've seen? Well, over the course of being a recruiter and extending and negotiating many job offers, uh, first off, it was very apparent most women were more inclined to accept an offer as is or to ask for other types of compensation than salary than their male counterparts. Uh, This is anecdotal. I don't have the stats on it from my own experience, but uh, I do know that more often than not, if it were a male candidate and they didn't like the job offer money-wise, they would definitely say, you know what, I'm not taking that or I need X amount more. Where women tended to say, well, that's lower than what I wanted, but do you think that maybe I could get more vacation time or maybe flex schedule? You know, some other things that were outside of the core base salary. And while that's important to some people, flex time and extra vacation don't help you retire and they don't help you during a downturn and they certainly don't help during. Uh, time off maybe between jobs. So it it was a very apparent difference in how men and women approached receiving and negotiating a job offer. Right. And as far as retirement and compounding of money over your life, it is so important. And people often think, well, it's only a matter of $10,000 when I'm 25, or it's just another 15,000 that I would have liked to have when I'm 30 or older. But that comes out to be hundreds of thousands, and maybe even a difference of a million dollars by the time you retire if it's invested correctly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when you're at that mid-level part of your career where you have almost your highest earning potential as you get to like mid-30s up to 40s, depending on the industry, of course, there are some industries where your earning potential decreases the older you get. Unfortunately, that's a topic for a different day. But uh Uh, Yes, when you're in the prime of your career and climbing the ladder, like those early stages of getting even just 10, 20% more in a base compensation, it can make all the difference. You know, it's, it seems like retirement's a long way off, but it's not, hopefully it's not anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the, the time passes quickly and before you know it, you are getting, you know, AARP solicitations in the mail. I mean, it just, it (laughs) happens and you just have to be ready for it. Yeah. So when it comes to negotiation, I was reading up on this before our chat and came across a few different studies. Most of them interviewed women and said, how many of you felt comfortable negotiating? One from a monster.com report based on the company called Negotiating Women, Carol Frohlinger, only 16% of respondents said that they always negotiate compensation and those are women respondents. So that's really low. And I feel it might be that girls are raised to be maybe more demure or polite or not seem greedy. Do you think that's the case? Oh, I think that that's the underlying issue. Absolutely. Uh, That it's, it it wasn't that many generations ago that women didn't have even the same job opportunities as men. So we haven't had a lot of time for society to change and catch up to the fact that, you know, you are equal to a male counterpart in the working world and especially the white collar working world. I think it's just inherently still in the female psyche that we should just take what we're given and be grateful for it. You know, at least I'm playing in the game, you know, oh, they like me. They really like me. You know, those things are just still in our, our brains, regardless of what we read or know knowledge in our brain is different than how we react, uh, with our heart. Right, right. 
and emotionally. Yeah. And that's such a good point. I think we tend to blame women, of course. Oh, she didn't negotiate. Um, But maybe there's a reason why, you know, and we're not wired necessarily for the same things as men. Our brains literally are different. One study that I found, though, that was interesting was that it suggested based on the way that they they tested these subjects, that women don't negotiate when they think it won't be effective. It's like they have this intuition about when the negotiation won't work out in their favor. And I hadn't heard that before. Uh, No, that's new to me, but I don't dispute it. uh, Honestly, it's I do think that women tend to listen to their gut and their intuition more than men. Uh, And it's not surprising that if you think, well, this is just going to create an uncomfortable situation that I'm not going to win. Why bother? That does sound very female to me versus male. I really can't think of a lot of men that I can uh, picture coming up with that line of logic. Well, this probably won't get me anywhere and it would just be a waste of time. So why bother trying? That's that's just not a traditional male way of approaching things. Right, right. I think what you said earlier about just being excited to get the offer, because, you know, it's only been a couple generations that women have been getting offers. It's like you get what you get and you don't get upset. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I know I referenced like the famous or paraphrase the same as Sally Field Oscar acceptance. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, women weren't winning Oscars. You know, it's, it's just not been that long. It feels like it because a lot has happened in society compressed into a short amount of time. But if you really step back and look at it, it hasn't been that long there. We haven't had a lot of examples to look up to generationally, you know, did our grandmothers, you know, negotiate salaries in the corporate world? Probably not most of Mm. us. And, you know, many of us, our mothers maybe didn't. Right. So you didn't, you know, you just didn't grow up hearing that being talked about around the dinner table per se. And it wasn't portrayed in, television shows or movies that we were watching. Uh, And if it was, it was negatively portrayed. You know, it was the, you know, quote unquote, bitchy woman or bitchy boss. It was not, I I don't just wasn't portrayed in a way that I think made it conducive for us to have that come naturally. I just think it doesn't come naturally to a lot of women. And so they just don't. Yeah, it doesn't. And as far as being portrayed as the bitchy woman or being pushy or greedy, it wasn't even what, five years ago, Jill Abramson was executive editor at the New York Times, and she was arguing that she found out her her predecessor had been paid more. And then Arthur Salzberger Jr. was saying, mm-hmm. no, you're getting exactly what you deserve. The difference is barely anything, and it has to do with the pension that was frozen in 2009 and all that. But, you know, she was confronting him and seen as demanding a lot of the way that it was portrayed. Yeah, and didn't really get anywhere. So it didn't have a much of a happy ending, yeah. you know, to take away, you know, from it. So it's, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not trying to say that it's all society's fault or all women do this or oh poor us we didn't have you know people to look up to. But I mean, you can't deny that reality. Right. It it, it just exists. Right. I don't remember being taught to negotiate. I guess, frankly, like knowing you and Rick. Throughout my 20s and earlier part of my career, helped me tons. And I was lucky because you guys are experts in this. But most people don't have that. And a lot of young girls and women, their parents didn't train them. I don't know if boys get it, but I didn't get it from them. I I kind of got it luckily as an adult through people I knew who understood this, which was you guys. Yeah, absolutely. There's nowhere that negotiation is taught 
from a, like a textbook point of view, I think it's just observed and it's an observed behavior, or you can, you know, reach out to someone and ask for help. Like if you know someone who is, you know, a recruiter or a career coach, or, you know, maybe someone in HR that, you know, that you could say, Hey, what, you know, what is appropriate, but not everyone has access to people that have a lot of experience, you know, in salary negotiations. That's true. Everyone, you know, has probably tried to negotiate a salary, (laughs) but that doesn't make them an expert. You know, it's, you know, maybe three to five times in their life it happens. You know, that's, you don't learn a lot from that small amount of experience. Right. It's, it's the same thing as when you're buying a house or a car. These are very considered purchases that happen infrequently. Job negotiations don't happen all that frequently either. But those moments mm-hmm. decide really important things for the rest of your life. Absolutely. No, it's a major decision like a purchase. And it's it's been well parodied throughout you know, the years. Let's say a woman takes her car to the mechanic you just assume he's going to you know, try to sell her something that she doesn't need. And, you know, same thing if you're buying a car, you know, there's just this assumption that women aren't going to know how to push back or ask the right questions or take a stand, be willing to walk away. And, you know, we've said for years, the most powerful thing you have in a negotiation is the ability to say no and walk away. And that's scary. And if you're not prepared for it, and if you don't have that mental fortitude, you you just you don't want to lose out on an opportunity. So, I mean, it's easy to see why it happens. We just have to figure out how to stop it from happening or how to minimize it from happening or how to level the playing field in some way. Yeah. Well, so you have an interesting vantage point on on that playing field because a lot, of, I guess, for majority of what you did, you were working for the employers, right? Recruiting oh, candidates. Yeah, absolutely. So we were an extension of the employer. So it was in our best interest to convince someone to accept whatever job offer was given because that's what the company wants. And that's frankly how recruiters get paid. I mean, I I don't think that's a secret to anyone out there. Uh, You know, recruiters are paid when they successfully negotiate a job offer and bring someone on board for the company. So I spent years figuring out how to talk someone into a job offer that was probably a lower salary than they wanted to have because Let's face it, an employer isn't going to come out with a very top offer, or it happens so rarely, we can go ahead and say it never happens, uh, I think, in this context. But let's say a salary range is presented, okay, we'll look at candidates anywhere from 100000 to 140000 for this position. I would say nine times out of 10, the first offer that's put out there is 100000 And... Yeah, it's obvious why. I mean, the company wants to save money. They want to, you know, maximize everything that they can. So it's it, it's a really important thing to know, I think, as a job candidate when you're getting an offer. It's extremely rare that that's the best offer that they have. In fact, I have been told many times, present this offer, but if they won't take it, we can go to X. Mm-hmm. So it happens regularly. That's a stark contrast between 100 and 140. So if anybody out there is in the middle of a negotiation, just keep that in mind. They might be, it could be 40% more that they're really ready to pay you. So, Oh, yes, absolutely. That's in the budget. I mean, do they want to have to pay that? Of course not. You know, I don't want to have to pay more than I need to for produce at the store or dog food or you know anything in my life. You know, of course, I want the best 
you know, I want the best value and I want to keep as much of my money as I can. They're coming from the exact same mindset. It's just corporate money, not your personal finances. However, in this case, it is your personal finances. So <laughs> it is important to, you know, flip the switch and realize, hey, I wouldn't overpay for uh, a new sofa in my living room. So why would, you know, why would I accept being underpaid for this other thing in my life? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, they're two sides of the same coin, in my opinion. I, I, that's completely true. And, you know, millennials are said to want more than just money. There have been so many studies written over the years about we care about experiences, making an impact, making a difference, having a meaningful Mm -hmm. job, which maybe has got some millennials and some millennial women thinking, well, the money doesn't matter so much because I love the company. I love the culture. I love my coworkers. And I find that concerning because when we don't have that spending power and we outlive men for the most part, and you have to think about retirement, Mm -hmm. you have to think about building wealth for your life so that you could fund contentment as Brian Portnoy describes wealth. It doesn't have to be about greed or having more than you need, but being able to fund the things that you want in your life and take care of your family. And maybe that helps some women negotiate to think of it like, okay, this is for my family's future. This is so we can have the things we want, not be stressed. Um, Absolutely. What do you think about, I mean, that whole obsession with the meaning and like taking taking time off to find oneself and travel and not worrying so much about money? What What is the outcome when people look at it that way? Okay. So first off, I'm Gen X and not millennial. So it seems crazy to me <laughs> right out of the gate. Like, <laughs> right. It's like, oh, you want to take a six month leave of absence and find yourself? Like, what are you, what are you trying to find? You're not out there. You're right here. You you know? This is the time where you work hard so you don't have to keep working hard into your 50s and 60s and 70s. And you know, something else to consider too, when you say taking care of your family, let's say you don't have your own children and you don't have that kind of family. You may have parents that are going to outlive their retirement and need financial help on that end of things. So it's, it, it, I think it deserves a wider lens to be viewed through other than, well, it's important to me to have a cause or find meaning. Yes, it should be. It's an important part of life, but you can't impact the world later in life if you're destitute and you are so worried about money and how you're going to live and where the next paycheck might be coming from by the time you are retirement age. Mm. It's just, there's, there has to be a balance and it can't swing too far one way or the other because then you're just a miserable person. You know, if you forego all of life's pleasures just to work 18 hours a day and make every dollar you can, that's not balance either. So it's somewhere in the middle. So what would you say to candidates who might be at the beginning of the interview process or in the negotiation stage, especially women candidates who just, how should they approach it? What should they do better? Well, I think if you do keep in mind that there is a 90 plus percent chance that the offer you're first given, and I'm talking base salary here, um, is probably not their best offer. And it's a dance. Negotiation is a dance. It's not like I'm advocating and saying, I bet you have more. Give it to me. No, it's about being able to present your case and being able to properly explain why you bring worth and value to the table for this and that there's a reason that they wanted to hire you. But based on the situation 
you know, that you look at in your professional life and career that, you know, you respectfully ask that they reconsider this because figure X is where you would like to be. You know, this is where I would like to come us to come out on this. Mm -hmm. So if you want to, and always be willing to say, we don't have to resolve this today. You know, let's talk tomorrow. I understand you probably have to go back to someone in finance or accounting or your boss, but you know, this, you know, I'm looking forward to negotiating this to a place we're both happy about. You know, there are ways to couch it that you don't sound greedy or money grubbing and that doesn't make the situation uncomfortable. I honestly think most women worry about creating an uncomfortable situation and it just doesn't have to be. Right. It doesn't have to be at all. No. And there are other things that an employer will throw out at you like, oh, we, you know, for the past five years, our annual bonuses or quarterly bonuses have averaged, you know, X percent. And this is what we, you know, forecast your compensation to be. And that's all well and good if it comes out that way. But I mean, that that's like water in your hand. Like it, it doesn't that there, you can't do anything with that. So it's all well and good. And like I said earlier, extra time off might be great. And really flex time could be important to you if you're in a point in your life where you have young children. And maybe that is something that makes sense now, but it might not make sense at the next negotiation. So sometimes there is a give and take. It's not always demand more or walk away, but you have to be financially responsible to yourself and your family and whatever that family looks like. Yes, that's great advice. So, Amy, let people know where they can find you and TalentZoo. Okay, so TalentZoo.com is where you can reach out, uh, read our uh, daily blogs with a lot of career advice like this, everything from negotiations to uh, being a first-time manager, everything like that we cover. Uh, You can find our Twitter account at TalentZoo. You can find me on Twitter uh, at TZAmy, TZ as in TalentZoo, Amy, A-M-Y. And if you're interested in co-working, innovation, technology, that kind of thing, you can find the other half of me at strongboxwest.com, uh, Twitter account at strongboxwest. And Strongbox West, by the way, if you are in Atlanta or passing through Atlanta, is the largest and oldest and most badass original co-working space in the Southeast. It's 50,000 square feet. It absolutely predates WeWork and this whole trend. They were doing co-working, Amy and Rick, in 2009 before anybody even knew what co-working was. So definitely check out Strongbox West. Tons of free parking, and it's a great deal. Okay, well, you're welcome. I'm a big fan and a a TalentZoo fan as well. Uh, Predated LinkedIn. You guys are definitely uh, first movers in many ways. So, Amy, this has been a blast and long overdue. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope everyone out there can take away something from this that will help them and their career. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll also like my short daily flash briefing available on Alexa and all the major podcast apps. It's under three minutes long on marketing, voice, and business. Get it at emilybinder.com slash briefing. To find out how to advertise on the show or to consult with me, visit beetlemoment.com. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Yeah!